Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. We're back with Kevin Hyder this week, round two. Now, Kevin, uh, he's he's a poet. He's a philosopher. You know, he's got really insightful perspective on politics, on history. He does not back away from issues of social justice. And frankly, because he is so well-traveled and he is raising a beautiful family, his content, his inspiration that guides his creativity seems to be bottomless. And today we get to dive into a little bit more of where his career is going right now, the kind of music that he's writing and the kind of projects that are coming out in the not too distant future. In fact, for the first time ever on the Love Good podcast today, Kevin Hyder graces us with a live performance right there in the Love Good studio. It was such a beautiful moment. I can't wait for you to hear it. It's an unreleased song and a good taste of what's coming this Thursday. All right, lovegoodlive.com. If you've not been there already, all you gotta do is type in your name and your email address and you will get meet and greet access and email reminders for the Kevin Hyder live stream concert that we are hosting again this Thursday. October 1st. So go to lovegoodlive.com if you haven't already, get signed up. I'll be back in just a moment with singer-songwriter Kevin Hyder. Kevin Hyder, welcome back to the Love Good Podcast, brother. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, honestly, kind of just feels like I'm hanging out with my friend because I am hanging out with my friend, but I'm just realizing there's still a lot of people out there in the world who don't realize that the, the genius of, of Kevin Hyder. I'm thinking about the last few years of podcast listeners, the last few years of even patrons who haven't had the privilege of maybe getting one of your CDs or EPs before anybody else. Obviously, you know, last week we talked about the power of memory. We talked about the importance of knowing where we came from. We even dove into, you know, a little bit of cultural commentary, you know, racial injustice and social media chaos. And I mean, we have an election coming up. We haven't even mentioned that yet. Well, mm-hmm. we'll maybe stay out of that, but we don't have to. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's but entirely up to you. I do not want a, a whole two episodes on the Love Good podcast to pass without giving people a bit of an artistic overview and okay. and also a sense of anticipation about all that's coming because 
your career has been extensive and obviously involved, right? It's not like you have been this like classic case of a singer songwriter who got signed out of college with a record deal and a publishing deal. And he's just been like doing this one thing with a massive army around him ever since. Like you have been an entrepreneur every step of the way. Yeah, You have as much expertise in videography and sound engineering as you do songwriting and performance. And frankly, that's a lot of skills that most people could spend a whole lifetime developing. And you're only 36. Okay. I first... You have used just now in reference to me the words genius and expertise, which I cannot speak to regarding myself. If you would like to continue, you may. <laughs> but I, an, I, an but I will neither confirm nor deny whether anything you say is true. Give us an idea. Like, I'm still curious. Like, when did you first decide, ah, I'm going to produce myself? Oh, when did you first decide, ah, I, I could write a song? Okay, well. And it's probably worth listening to. When did you first oh. perform live? I mean, these are things I'm not even sure I know because I've taken for granted since the year we met, 2011, that you are, in fact, a genius. Well, you keep taking that for granted. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so the, I, eh, not counting high school, I think the first time I performed live for people that were not exclusively family was at a, at a bar, actually, right after high school. There was a local bar that had an open mic, and as long as you were 18, even if you weren't, I think as long as a legal guardian was there, you could you could sign up. But I was 18, so that was the first time that I ever played any of my own stuff publicly for people. Now, I, I used to record everything all by myself. I would borrow friends' computers and use their garage band, or I would just record using the standard, I don't know, like I used Cakewalk Music Creator 15 years ago. It's like Windows Movie Maker. It's an, old, yeah, wow. it's an old thing. Wow. And I, I wasn't very good at it. I didn't have good equipment. And I listen to those recordings now and they are comically atrocious. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the point is like, it's it doesn't matter how bad you are going into it. Like I, I listen to those recordings now. My voice is so weird it sounds so strange it's, back in those days oh yeah it's totally nasally it's almost like everything i was singing was coming huh. right from the back of my no, let's stop on this point for uh -huh. a second because i've seen a lot of artists grow out of that nasally sound and yeah. i've always wondered is it because they they took some some lessons they had a vocal coach who kind of helped develop them out of that or some of that just time and maturity in doing it I, it depends i think for some people it probably they might hire a vocal coach mm -hmm. um or other people, it could just be wanting to imitate certain artists. Mm -hmm. And then by doing that, they kind of find their own, own voice. Interesting. For me, I, I just remember <laughs> I used to play like when I, in high school, when I was home from college, I would go into the garage at my parents' house and they had this big kind of industrial freezer in the garage. And I would sit on that in my dad's workshop and play till write songs till three or four in the morning, like every night that I was home. And one night I was trying to sing Kansas's Dust in the Wind, which you got to have a high range to sing that song, you know, how it's written. I was listening to that song two days ago. Were you? For it's the first so, time in like five years. Oh, so good. Yeah. All right. And, and I couldn't hit it, but I had this moment where I was like, I need to keep trying. So mm. I would keep singing it and I'm belting it out. And then I would move the capo up and play it again. Wow. And, then, and I kept going higher up and higher up in the capo and it sounded horrible. But my <laughs> thought process is, if I just keep singing things that I can't really sing and keep, it's like a, a stretching my voice, eventually I'll be better. I'll be able to do it. And my mom opens the door to the garage at one in the morning and says, what in God's name were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was just like all they could hear inside was this. Ah! 
<laughs> as I'm just trying to hit these these high notes. So I, for me, it was it it's been a very gradual thing, and, and I think just the more you do it, it's funny too. You know, I I write a song. And when you write it, you play it a certain way. And then over time, as you perform it live, you know, you make minor adjustments kind of on the fly based on how you're feeding off the audience. There's no performance, no two performances are ever exactly the right. same. But it gets to the point where, you know, I there's a certain way that I've come to perform a song when I play it live now. And I listen to the original demo recording of it that I made three or four years ago. And it's very different. Uh. And it's just such a gradual mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. process. So I, I, I know a lot of people will will they'll do lessons or voice lessons, give vocal coaching, what have you. For me, I just I listen to the old recordings of myself, and I think I sound ridiculous, which could just be me being super self critical. But I remember how many people were in my life at the time that told me that I was good. And like they actually seem to actually think that I was good. Yeah. Like you should try out for American Idol. And uh-huh. I listen to that now. I'm like, this wouldn't have gone anywhere. <laughs> Simon Cowell would have ripped this to shreds. Like, <laughs> so it's it's funny. Like if I I would say to anybody who's who's trying to do their own thing, keep doing it. If you have people in your life that are encouraging you and affirming you, take that for everything it's worth. But set out to prove them right. Yeah. Don't take it for granted. Like. Take even the compliments as challenges. I love that as as arguments that you need to prove right. And keep sliding up that capo keep until you find capo. your yeah. actual limit. Right. I think that's really important too. Is certainly we're living in a world that uh, doesn't value magnanimity. Do you right. know magnanimity? It's like this greatness yeah. of soul. Do you know what the opposite is? It's a horrible sounding word. Pusillanimity. Yeah, that's pretty. Gross. Doesn't that sound horrible? That's gross. Pusillanimity, and that means smallness of soul. So. If you're magnanimous, you chase after great and noble ambitions, right? You, you, you push yourself to your limit. I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. for the greater glory of God, right? But to not believe, right, in, in, in your own capacity for greatness. And I'm really ultimately referring to your capacity for God, for his glory, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a really lame and exhausting and sad way to live. Yeah. And I think this capo analogy for me is actually very, very helpful. I guess the capo goes up this way, doesn't it? I've all, all, I think where I struggle sometimes is accepting the limits once I get there, is, is hearing the feedback from my mom that says, well, not my mom, but like your mom that right. says, okay, that's it. <laughs> right. What in God's name are you doing? <laughs> right. You know, that's, that's me nearly falling off cliffs in the, in the Swiss Alps, coming right up against my limits, you know? Yeah. Been there. That happened. Almost did that. Yeah. Right. I'm glad you didn't. Yeah, me too. For what it's worth. I think I'd have been all right. But it was just very scary. It was Look, dicey. This, this might not mean a lot coming from me, uh, but I'm glad you're still alive. <laughs> I mean, that would have been the, uh, that would have been, ah, five years ago, which would have been maybe in some ways in the height of how often and, and frequent we were seeing each other. Last five years, we haven't seen each other much. It might it's not have been, been much. Yeah. I mean, this moment wouldn't be happening. Right. But, you know, I'm just right. thinking out loud. Yeah. So Man. where do we go well, from here? I mean, we've got basically the most amazing thing happening in 48 hours. The most amazing thing. Okay. Can I go back is? to the limits first? No, we're done with limits. Oh. I'm kidding. Kevin, I what you got well, on limits. Just so in terms of, I used to record everything by myself. Uh-huh. This is kind of crucial for people that are like doing this, yeah. right? It got to the point where I recognize my limits with that, that I'm not the best audio engineer. I wasn't good at, at knowing like, you know, when mixing, mm-hmm. which things should be panned to which side, you know, like I didn't have the most developed ear for that type of thing. Ergo, Mike Ofka. 
coming in. Well, yes. Yeah, so then it then it got to the point where I just decided like I'm not gonna do it anymore. Like it's it's I'm spending a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm getting better and nothing that I'm recording I think is good enough to put out. And so when I recorded the first record in the studio, for me it made all the difference to have the audio engineer there who could control all the buttons, push start and stop. All I had to do was be creative. That's right. And and at that point I have I can let him be creative and offer input. And so mm. he steps into that role as kind of this co-producer. Salzburg or this was the piano? This started with Salzburg, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, he's stepping into that role too, being a co-producer. And I can say, ah, I don't really like that. Try this, you know? So things that I am hearing in my head with instruments that I can't play, I say, hey, try this. And mm-hmm. he'll try it. And then we kind of work from there. And yeah. so for me, recognizing my limits with the equipment, with mm-hmm. the technology, mm-hmm. freed me up to just not spend any more time on it. Yeah. And I could just focus on the creative stuff. And then I could point to people who I knew could make the sounds I wanted I you know that. so that that I think is is significant in terms of uh, priorities that will help you actually see your creative projects come to fruition but this is true of life too like we, we for sure really sell ourselves short if we don't bring other people into the equation like right. there's a lot of potential genius potential beauty potential life-changing endeavors that mm-hmm. never come to fruition because people do keep going at it all by their lonesome and they never invite other people in who can collaborate, who can support, who can bring their own genius to the table, you know? Yeah. I think that's really, really important. That's a hard lesson for an entrepreneur who wants to do it all himself. Yeah, for sure. You know? For sure. Yeah. So it wasn't until I did Ohio. Springsteen. Springsteen. Last year, that was the first thing that I'd recorded all by myself with the intention of sharing it. And it was just worlds apart from anything that I used to do. So now I'm back in that space where at least with the vision I have for the next couple projects, I'm going to do them for the most part. Self-produced. Myself, yeah. Cool. Unless I know there's something that I want that I that I can't do. But I've definitely got another couple kind of more indie rock yeah. records in me. So. I want to hear about it in just a second, but yeah. I, I got to know something first. At okay. what point are you on a first name basis with, with Bruce? What, what, what does it take? Uh, you need to be a real fan. You can't be one of these fake fans. Okay, let me let me ask you a question. Name five Springsteen songs. <sighs> yep, can't do it. How many can you name? Oh, don't do. You're gonna embarrass me in front of all my friends. Are all your friends Springsteen fans? No, the, but they're then probably they're not but they're probably care. listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what Springsteen songs can you don't name? Don't do that to me, man. When uh, I'll get you started, more in the USA. Okay, now another one, more. Is that actually Springsteen? My yeah. first? Okay. Yeah. Uh. Never mind. Okay. Let me just say this. You've answered your own question. You are That's not. What I mean. You are not on a first name basis with Bruce. In fact, gonna... I knew I would embarrass myself no, there, but I had to go there. The reality is, if you go to a show, uh-huh. I, I this struck me as odd. The first time I heard it on like a live DVD, he comes on stage and you think that the audience is booing him. But they're saying, Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, why are they doing that? And why is he just taking it? What's going on? <laughs> and then I realized they're saying, Bruce. Bruce. Like, his boo is his name. Sounds like a heckle, but it's, it's praise. So, technically, Dang. if you go to a show, if, if you go to a show, you can you can start yeah. calling him by his first name. Well, okay. But. This is great. We should probably depart from that topic of conversation before I, I laugh any harder. And, uh-huh. uh 
<laughs> embarrass myself any further. <laughs> you do have a lot of amazing things coming out right now. You got a, an acoustic EP, maybe yeah. a Christmas project this year, maybe next year. I'm shooting. I'm shooting for it. Yeah, certainly a, a slightly more fuller and more produced EP or, or a record in the spring. Tell, it'll tell be us, an, it'll be an album. Cool. Tell yeah. us everything. What's going on? Okay, so the last like full project other than Ohio, which was all an album of Springsteen covers that I put out last year. So that was like a very specific kind of project. But other than that, the, the last full-length album I released was two. It was a double album yeah. called The Spark. And it, the sonic landscape was fairly extensive. I mean, it had a couple Irish drinking songs, blues, gospel, kind of bordering like alt-pop rock, indie, folk, Americana. like, And then a couple, there was just like, towards the end, very end of it, there's just this, it's just piano, two mm. and a half minute piano piece. So it really ran the gamut as far as the, the sonic landscape was concerned. And I think I told you this last night. I remember when that album was finished and about to come out, so maybe five people had heard it. I was walking home, living in Baltimore at the time, and I was walking home late at night by myself through the park. And I just remember thinking like, what, what am I gonna release next? Am I going to like take the indie roots rock vibe that exists on here in, in Morsels and amp that up for like a really cool project? Or do I just want to take the stuff on the album that kind of might fit the molds of spiritual poetry and just try and like make something mm. beautiful? And so that's a question that I honestly w was asking for about five, six years and it turns out I did neither of those. I recorded an acoustic Springsteen covers album. <laughs> but now I'm at a place where the next full project, uh, kind of full record I'm going to do is is that stuff. I'm just, I'm trying to make something beautiful. And I don't want to say meditative, but you heard a couple last night. How would you describe what you heard? Oh, I mean, that is one of the first words that comes to mind. Meditative. In in the sense that like- Not in a forced way though. No, not yeah. even a, like I'm over here praying and levitating off the ground, meditating, more like a deeply reflective, deeply, yeah. it's, it's kind of soul level uh -huh. music in, in the sense that you have to be quiet. You have to engage. Everything in me just sort of went into a really beautiful kind of restful, receptive posture okay cool and i i don't think that's true of a lot of music uh -huh. i mean some of it's you know n never meant to do that like the kind of music I, I work out to right sure but no i, I felt like invited into rest oh, and, interesting. and okay. i would say contemplation again i'm not using that f from like a religious perspective right. like deep thought that i i in the first listening couldn't arrive at because i just was so much enjoying melodies and movements uh -huh. and and even like the panning of piano right. notes and things like that you know it's the kind of music that i would want to like a good book go back and re-engage mm. with over and over and over again until i got as much as i could out of it yeah okay cool what's what's your hope in that what's uh, your hope in these songs that's fine as far as like mm. that i think that's a it, it it's very cool to hear that that's what happened mm. because you get so wrapped up in kind of how it you know, you have an idea in your head and then you start actualizing it. Mm -hmm. And in the process of trying to actualize it, you realize, well, I can't quite do this or I thought this would work, but it doesn't. Let me try this. And then you slowly, you slowly just find these, these sounds that as you're making it, mm -hmm. draw you into it further. And so that I think is, is my, is my ultimate hope with it is that it will be, 
very engaging, but on a a level that I guess is deep, maybe deeply personal for mm. whoever's listening, and in a sense restorative. Wow. But there's a lot of you know, a lot of it deals with pain and suffering, and kind of I guess helping each other bear it all, mm. and it's kind of spread out. Like lyrically, there are there are phrases that are used in in most of the songs that are then the titles for other songs. Oh, wow. And that's not necessarily like, I didn't write them all to do that. It's just that these things, th- these all of these songs are so thematically intertwined Yeah, that that's kind of what's, what's happening. Because you've so, been writing a ton of songs. So I'm sure that in yeah. some ways for the last five years, you've been waiting for enough of them to kind of shape up into something that felt- It feels coherent. Coherent right. and integrated. Yeah. yeah, right, right. And so that's what, you know, I started recording that stuff back in the on my own in the spring, and then once the kind of stay at home orders and everything hit, Ugh, I forgot that phrase. Stay at home. I know, I know. I, you know, I had been recording everything in my in my parents' house because it's a lot more quiet there than at my house with four <laughs> screaming children. So, but I we didn't really go over there for maybe about two months, wow. and so it just kind of like put a halt on it because my mom still helps take care of my grandma, so we were just trying to. Be, yeah. be super vigilant. So it kind of got put on hold. And then in light of everything that's been happening, I just kind of thought, well, I, I want to put something out. I've got this collection of songs that I think would go well together. And I've basically wrote two more between June and then maybe a month ago that kind of gave me this nice little six song collection. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a fan of this coincides with, we talked about this last night too. I don't know how many Bob Dylan fans there are, like true Dylan fans that like what hooked him was their, his early records. People who call him Bob, basically. Bob, right. Yeah. Well, we, we, call, him, we call him Dylan. <laughs> know, Bruce is Bruce, Dylan is Dylan. The, uh, Bob. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bob. <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. <laughs> Yeah, back in May, I, I revisited his first two records. And then I remember even moving into when moving into our new house in July, I did a lot of the heavy lifting I did by myself. Just load up my dad's truck, drive it over to the house, and then unload it by myself. So the whole time I've got Dylan's records blasting mm. in my ears. And it's just him, one acoustic guitar, and the harmonica. <laughs> and that's it. And they're phenomenal. Yeah. It's like you get drawn into the melody, you get drawn into what he's singing about. And like he's singing this town, it's like Oxford Town, Oxford Town, like it's kind of got this fun little vibe to it. But then there are these lines sprinkled in, like, couldn't get in because the color of his skin. And it's like it's got this kind of fun, interesting vibe to it. And then there are these lines that put you in this era. That like with everything that's happening now, mm-hmm. he's writing in a time when people still couldn't get into restaurants because of the color of their skin. Yeah, and in him, it's like what kind of seems like a throwaway line in the song is actually a very intentional thing that like he wants you to think about. You know. So mm. anyway, so I had this collection of songs that I felt like would work really well to produce in that style, where it's. It's very stripped back in in the style of Dylan's first two records, but also in the the Avery Brothers Gleam mm. series. Have you heard their Gleam EPs? No. It's totally stripped. It's usually like maybe each of them playing one instrument, yeah, and then singing like a guitar and a banjo or two guitars. You think we could hear one of these live? Yeah. 
You know, this has never happened before on the Love Good Podcast. Really? We've never had an artist just pick up a guitar Why and play not? a song. I don't know. I think once you do it, though, it's going to start happening more often. Okay. It totally should happen. So how about this? You got a guitar behind you. Maybe uh-huh. you can grab that. While you're grabbing it, I want everybody to know that this is a taste of what's coming. This is this is going to conclude, you know, today's episode, this beautiful song. Perhaps you can introduce this. Tell us a little bit about the song before you play it. Yeah. But on Thursday night, exclusively at lovegoodlive.com, people can experience an entire live stream concert with you, which is super exciting on so many levels because most of us haven't heard live music in six months. And frankly, in the rest of the world where there's not 200 live shows a night, it's probably been longer since we've experienced the, the beauty, just the sense of belonging that comes with great live music. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, live streaming it on YouTube, not as good as having Kevin Hyder in your living room. But this is a pretty amazing opportunity for folks to, to experience 45 minutes to an hour of live music and storytelling from one of my favorite singer-songwriters. So everybody, if you have not yet signed up for a live stream in the past, all you got to do is go to lovegoodlive.com. If you've already signed up, you're going to get an immediate reminder and Q&A access, meet and greet access with Kevin after the show. A really cool way to ask him questions, to hear more about particular songs that, that jumped out at you, and maybe even to make enough of a connection to bring him to a safe and sensible and socially distanced backyard show at some point this this upcoming year. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? That'd be awesome. You're still doing some touring here and there? Oh, I, I, this... This trip to Nashville is the first time I've left my house since <laughs> the baby was born. Because the baby was born right as quarantine Crazy. started. Well, good timing in a way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's not that I'm not touring. I'm touring as much as anybody is right yeah, now. That's true. <laughs> Which is kind of mostly not, you know. And for those who are not so, yet following you, Kevin Hyder Music is your handle and your website? Uh, website us. is just kevinhyder.com. Got it. Yeah, handle is it's either Kevin Hyder or Kevin Hyder Music, depending on the social media platforms Amazing. that you're on. So, yeah. Yeah, everybody go follow yeah. and go stream and get excited because a lot of new music coming from Kevin. We're not sure which one's going to end up in a package to our patrons, but it'll end up in a package soon. Yeah, Tell us about this song and what we're going to hear. Well, so this is this is actually the most recent song that I've written. And it, it is also the shortest, the shortest non-instrumental piece that I've ever written. It's about two minutes long. I tend to write a lot of songs that don't have choruses. But often what they, they have is a, is a theme or a mantra that gets repeated and, and in different ways kind of builds up to that. And so with everything that's going on and how, how people can get with social media and everything, it all kind of seems to become pretty, pretty insular. And I just thought of this concept of thinking about somebody else. And so that was kind of the, um, the approach I took. Now, the first version of it that I wrote when I was finished with it I thought it sounded a little bit like blown in, Dylan's Blown in the Wind. And I played it for my wife. And she said, that sounds just like Dylan's Blown in the Wind. So I scrapped it. Now it is, in many ways, a completely different song. I think lyrically it is about 90% different. Musically it is totally different. I may or may not remember all of the words yet or play it well. But for your delectation and delight, this is on my upcoming EP, which will be titled Make an Honest Stand. And the song is called Think About Somebody Else. Freedom is a blessing, too much is a curse. The ones who drink the most are the ones who die of thirst. So take what you need, leave the rest on the shelf. Maybe think about somebody else. 
There's a new wave of anger coming down the line. It's a sideways sort of justice, and it's stealing all our time. Before you go off fighting, try to collect yourself. Maybe think about somebody else. My cynicism tells me that people never change, that the new world is the old world, slightly rearranged. I could take the love I've got and spend it on myself, or I could think about somebody else. Pretty amazing stuff. Again, a love good first time ever, right? Opportunity to hear live music on the podcast. Massive thanks to Kevin Hyder for joining us. And massive thanks to all of you for going to lovegoodlive.com and getting signed up for our exclusive live stream concert with singer-songwriter Kevin Hyder. You're going to hear just under an hour of original music from the man himself, all right? And all I can say is I was nearly moved to tears as much as I was laughing as I was watching this incredible concert unfold. Kevin is a storyteller. He's a brilliant singer-songwriter, as you well know. And again, all you got to do is go to lovegoodlive.com and get signed up today because not only do you get to experience this incredible live stream concert with Kevin, you can join him for a meet and greet after the show, but that's only possible again by typing in your name and your email address at lovegoodlive.com. Y'all are amazing. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Next week, I'll be sitting back down with regular contributor, Dr. Ryan Hanning. So as always, get ready for your heart to expand, your head to explode. But in the meantime, go to lovegoodlive.com. Do not miss Thursday night's live stream concert with Kevin Hyder. It's a continuation of the incredible monthly live stream concerts or retreats that we're hosting in a real consistent way now. And uh, I don't know where you guys find yourself right now. We are obviously only a few weeks away from a presidential election. It almost feels like we're a year into COVID, but not quite. It has just been the longest year ever, 2020 Will you ever go away? I mean, it's almost done, right? We are not too far away from the holiday season, which I can only hope for you and for me and for all of us will bring joy, will bring a sense of, of forward movement in our lives, and as always, the hope that can only come from God himself. So nothing but love, nothing but prayers from Love Good for all of you. Massive thanks to our patrons as always, and especially to you, the listener who tunes in week in and week out to this podcast. It means the world. We'll see you next week again with Dr. Ryan Hanning. In the meantime, stay classy. Peace. Peace. 
Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long-form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.